Hello everyone, Coach Gus Wins here and to all the listeners of Jobber Talk with Martin, I wish you and I greet you all a Merry Merry Queensmas and a Happy New Year! Jobber Talk with Martin! Martin! Jobber Talk with Martin! Jobber Talk with Martin! Hello and welcome to Jobber Talk. My name is Martin and today I will be reviewing MWF 6 Noche Buena which happened live at the UP Bahay ng Alumni. And after that, and in the second part of Jobber Talk, my friend and co-host of Third World Gaming, Charles aka Sword9 will be with me as we talk about what went down in the press interview with WWE's Xavier Woods. Spoiler warning, it's gonna be quite long-winded as we will delve into a certain line or a certain quote that Xavier Woods would say during near the end of the interview regarding entitled fans and basically the evolution of pro wrestling. But now let's go on to part one of our Jobber Talk episode, which will be my MWF6 review. So yeah, MWF6, Noche Buena, aka Queensmas 2, aka Chris Gus, was at the UP Bahay ng Alumni. It happened the same day as the Ateneo versus UP fight, game one, in which Ateneo won. And spoiler alert, Ateneo won game two as well. But enough about basketball, let's go to what we saw, I think, at the start. We saw that Fabio video, I saw the Ashura Martivo video as well. These two videos can be seen at MWF's Facebook page. Now the first match at that event was Lucha Donna versus a MWF trainee. I finally got to hear the name of Mysterious masked lady and it's Lucha Donna. I'm kind of okay with that. I was finally glad to have her have a name because the first time I saw her was during HistoryCon and she didn't have a name yet and she was facing Robin Sane. See I I heard faced Ashura day two but I didn't get to see that. The third day she was part of the Battle Royal for the History Maker Award. And now, she got her first victory after delivering that Tornado DDT on the unnamed MWF trainee. Now, I hope in next year's MWF season, we get to see more of Lucha Donna in the ring. And yes, more of unnamed guy in the ring because he was getting chance of let's go jobber. I mean, it wasn't like a total squash match. It was actually a match wherein he also had some offense in against the masked Lucha Donna. Now, we're gonna get the MWF video featuring JDL and Mr. Lucha. That's the one where it was him, JDL, Lucha, and Tarek trying to talk about the match. The next video I saw was Robin Sane, where you gotta say, because Tyra Let's Go is like never giving up and stuff, you know? And that said, we got that awesome intro by Bendetta as he went on stage. Uh, you know the MWF anthem? Yeah, he sang that on stage. It was pretty hype, pretty dope. I liked it. And 
after that, we got a- another video package of Sagot Kita 6 featuring RG and the lady. And I think they were trying to escape while we are waiting for Gig Striker to save them. But before Gig Striker could save them, video cuts off. And we go back on ringside where Coach Gus, yeah, Mary Queensmas, baby, went to ringside with some of his, I think, Gus Global personnel. And they started giving away presents. I even got a Gus Global t-shirt. So thank you, Coach Gus, for this awesome t-shirt. I'm totally gonna wear this during the Queensmas season. And he also gave out two announcements. First, there will be two shows. One would be Wrestling Entertainment 3000's The Merge on February 10, 2019 at Taft. However, as of this recording, I heard that show will be cancelled and, and might be moved at a future date. But what is known for next year is Gus Global Birthday Bash. That's March 16, 2019 at Metrowalk Ortigas. And finally, his last gift was to introduce us to Danger Rex Lawin, who will be at ringside now for the four-man match, as he will face Frankie 13, Morgan Vaughn, and Brother Jomar. And whoever wins this match is going to be the number one contender for the MWF title. So yes, from the get-go, it seemed like the tandem of Frankie 13 and Morgan Vaughn would have wanted to control this matchup only for them to be tossed out of the ring by both brother Jomar and Rex Lawin. At one point in the match, we saw Rex Lawin get kendo-sticked or Singapore caned by all three competitors from Frankie 13, Morgan Vaughn, and brother Jomar. The first elimination came when Frankie 13 pinned brother Jomar, and I think that's when Brother Jomar got his revenge a few minutes later when he slid into the ring and delivered the package pile driver on Frankie 13 for Rex Lawin to pin Frankie 13 for the elimination. So the last two competitors were Morgan Vaughn and Rex Lawin, and it was a nice battle between the two competitors inside the ring until one Rex trigger later. Rex Lawin won the match and has the right to face the new MWF champion by 2019 as he is now the number one contender for the belt. Now after the match, we saw Frankie 13 and Morgan Vaughn return to the ring and assault Rex Lawin with a kendo stick. And after they bloodied him, Frankie 13 got the mic and told Rex Lawin, he is the new king of Manila, and he's here to break your arm, Rex Lawin. After Frankie seemingly felt like Rex Lawin broke him a few months back. This was the retribution that Frankie 13 got, as he did break Rex Lawin's arm. Frankie and Morgan left the ring, and it would take a few moments later for Rex to exit with the help of Coach Gus. Now I'm interested to see how this will affect Rex Lawin in the next show. Will he use his number one contendership to face the new MWF champion? Or will he take some time to recover after this assault by Morgan Vaughn and Frankie 13? Well, after that match, we saw a video featuring Mr. Lucha and Lo Lucha Donna. 
and it has Mr. Lucha telling Lucha Donna to go home. I got discovered, man. And afterwards, we got the music performance of Mr. William Elvin and his friend with a song entitled Sarili Mong Landas. Uh, while he was performing, we got to get some gifts from the MWF wrestlers who came on stage and entered ringside with some Merry Christmas sticks. I still got mine here at the house if you want one. And afterwards, we got a tag team match featuring Ninja Ryujin and Hanzalo Silva taking on Ashura and Martivo. Now, Martivo's still on that winning streak after defeating Aza back at PWR's Vendetta, which happened like a week before this match. So it was Hanzalo Silva getting isolated by Ashura and Martivo, but I gotta note that Martivo tried to do the twerk face on Hanzalo, but Hanzalo bit him in the butt. Ouchies. Now, Hanzalo finally got the hot tag to Ninja Ryujin. Ryujin was on fire. He delivered the Asai DDT on the Mandal. And it seemed like he was going to break the streak. One, two, but... Hanzalo Silva. Hanzalo Silva broke the pin. And he sort of went on this mad rampage against Martivo until Ninja Ryujin calmed him down. Now, I think this would have cost them the match immediately but it would take some time before Hanzelo Silva lost the match against Ashura and Martivo after Ashura and Martivo delivered this unique looking double team move where Hanzelo was lifted up while Ashura delivered a flying attack from the top rope. I, I couldn't quite explain it here but you gotta check out the highlights. Afterwards it seemed like Martivo and Ninja patched things up and they were hoping Hanzalo and Ashura would also shake hands. However, Ashura was beating Hanzalo up because I think she didn't like the fact that Hanzalo was going wild again earlier. And then we see Frankie 13 and Morgan Vaughn interfere yet again. They took out Ninja Ryujin. Um, Frankie actually took Martivo down a bit before offering him a spot at his group, which is kind of weird because you already, you know, make him fall off his ass and then you say, hey, come with me and join this group. Dog, dog, you just tried to beat up Martivo. Do you think he'd say yes? That's where they decided to extend the offer to Ashura, who seemed to be a bit hesitant, but eventually... It was Frankie, Morgan, and Ashura who left ringside to a confused Martivo on the stage. He was like, Besh, why are you joining them? Kind of like that. I don't know. And finally, we get to see the next part of Sagutkita 6. And we'll see more of that later. But right now, I gotta talk to you about the next match. It's the open challenge of Kyle Season. And it would be UP's own Sandata. Yes, Sandata from UP, from the MSG group of PWR, is back in the MWF ring. And this time he was facing the hype beast Kyle Season. It was a pretty nice match. But eventually it would be Kyle Season using the distracted ref to kick Sandata in the balls with a low blow. Well, I guess it was... Alas Once inside the ring. 
and he got the pinfall victory over the masked man known as Sandata. Now, after the match, he would go on and berate Sandata with the microphone. However, I have no idea who that guy is from the crowd, but a crowd member just jumped on Sandata while he was outside ring. The random crowd member and Sandata would brawl to the outside of the venue, and I hope things are okay. And I hope we figure out who this unnamed uh, assailant of Sandata is by the next MWF show. Oh, during the match, by the way, Kyle Season had the gall, alright, had the gall to grab Otto the Otter and molest him at ringside. Now, I heard a couple of my friends will be interviewing the mayor and Otto soon. I hope so. If they know what's good for, I hope they will interview the mayor and Otto. Oh, the next match. I am looking forward to talking about this one. It's JDL versus Mr. Lucha, and my god, this is four years in the making. Four years in the making, and this is their very first one-on-one -on -one battle inside the MWF ring. Man, from the entrance, the tension was already high because JDL had his Senorito jacket on, but soon enough opened it and had an Ateneo jacket. Now, while some of the fans were booing him, some of us were mostly cheering him on. And we continued to cheer as he got some revenge on Mr. Lucha at the start of the match when he tossed Lucha on one row of chairs and then grabbed Lucha, tossed him on another row of chairs and then finally he tossed Lucha again to another set of chairs. The match was very, very physical and we saw JDL focusing on Mr. Lucha's leg to try and get the upper hand here during the matchup. But Mr. Lucha got the upper hand after he slammed JDL on the apron very hard. So at one point, JDL connected with the Alipin drop on Lucha, but it only just had a two count. Mr. Lucha would get some revenge and delivered a first choke slam on JDL, but it didn't get the counter three. JDL blocked the second attempt of Mr. Lucha's choke slam and locked him into a figure four. Lucha got to the ropes and escaped, but it seemed to be like it was JDL who was gonna get the win as he got to the corner, went up to the turnbuckles and leapt off towards Mr. Lucha. However, Mr. Lucha caught him mid-air, dropped him with a DVD-X. Mr. Lucha finally got JDL with a choke slam and slammed him down the mat. Got the one, two, three, and it's over. Mr. Lucha got this victory against his nemesis that was JDL. After the match, the Senorita told everyone that Mr. Lucha earned his respect. It may not be huge, it was just this much, but that was good enough. JDL told Lucha that it, he, Mr. Lucha, has what it takes to be the top guy in MWF. He advised Mr. Lucha not to waste the opportunity and take the top spot of this federation. Both men shook hands before the Senorito left ringside and gave Mr. Lucha some time in the ring. Now, before we get to the main event, we got this 
impromptu one-on-one -on -one action between RG and Gig Striker. Now we saw the ending of Sagotkita 6 painfully. It would be the capture of RG by the Liwanags. They transformed him into this zombie-like creature and called him RG Liwanag. And he was freaking scary too. Now, the best part of this match was after the match, but we'll go to that later. Um, this was a short match that involved Gig Striker trying to snap RG out of it, but to no avail. So he got fed up by RG's zombie-like features and just beat him up to see if it works. He got the pinfall victory, but still RG was still like a zombie or Liwanag-esque-like character until Neneng, their friend, got to the ring and put on the UP sash on RG to lift the spell and make RG go back to regular RG. And this is where things get interesting as the Liwanags, Jomar Liwanag and Jarel went on stage and a few seconds later. The big return of Moises Liwanag at ringside happened. Now, I wouldn't have had this spoiled but from where I was standing or where I was sitting I could see Moises off stage so <sighs> man I, I should have just focused on stage I guess the theater adage was true like if you're backstage and you can see the audience members most of the time they can see you back but yeah, enough about theater, Martin. On to wrestling, because man, this was awesome. It was a two-on-one in the ring, RG and Giggs versus Jarrell and Jomar. But hey, Moises Liwanag joined the fray, so it was a three-on-two. And he delivered a devastating backbreaker to Giggs. Well, Jomar and Jarrell captured RG on stage. Now afterwards... While RG was on stage, Gig Striker was down, bruised and broken inside the ring. The Liwanags captured RG again and I have no idea what's gonna happen next year. Cause RG is back in the clutches of the Liwanag family. Now I have no idea what's gonna happen next year because RG is still in the clutches of the Liwanag family and who knows what they're gonna do. Their nefarious schemes, their devious plots on what they're gonna do to poor old RG. But hey, I'm so happy to see that Moises Liwanag is back as a in-ring character. Hopefully he can compete. If not, hey, at least just be there ringside because he's one of the most charismatic characters that MWF has in its current history. So yeah, if he's back, that is like a big plus to MWF alone. Like full-time. Like, not just in, you know, not just in the freaking videos, but, like, at ringside. That would be awesome. Now, let's go on to the main event. Finally, it's Robin Sane versus Fabio McKissick. And these two put on a clinic. They were trying to top the other guy up at the start. They were reversing each other's moves. And eventually it became very, very fast-paced and in-your-face, man. I still like that spinning wheel kick by Fabio to the back of Robin saying It was like, oh god, ouchies, man. And he 
put down the tracer, the chaser, the trailblazer, speed chaser. And uh, Robinson obviously fought back, delivered a basement dropkick and an enzugiri on Mr. McKeesig. But Fabio would fight back again and deliver a perfect dropkick on Robinson. Fabio started to uh, ground and pound Robinson, but Robinson would grab him, lift him up in the air, and deliver a powerful sit down powerbomb for a near count. Fabio drops Robinson, leg lock on Sane, but Sane would escape. Robinson delivers a perfect head scissors takedown on Fabio Makisig. And a sling blade later on by Robinson on Fabio Makisig. Man, at one point both men were outside and Robinson slid back into the ring and delivered a diving splash on Fabio Makisig, and that was awesome. But just like the last match, uh, well, before the RG and Giggs match, these two guys would try to zero in on each other's legs just to try and ground them. Fabio tried to leg lock Robinson. Robinson did the same thing to Fabio McKissick during this matchup. So yeah, you would see both of them trying to leg lock each other to submission as well. Now the end saw Fabio McKissick trying to go on the top rope to deliver something, but Robinson caught him, delivered a Hurricane Rana to send him down, and finally got the win after delivering the Phoenix Splash on Fabio Makisig. One, two, three, and we got Robinson as the inaugural MWF champion. After the match, he was presented the belt he got on the mic. He wanted to be the first to lead the Philippine wrestling because he believes that the future in Philippine wrestling is bright. And to those who is watching the local landscape here in the Philippines, he said, Philippines is just waking up. And of course, he'd like to ask everyone in the Southeast Asian region if they're ready. Kasi handa na ako. Tara, let's go. And from then on, that's the ending of MWF6, Noche Buena. We got Robin Sane as our first champion. I gotta tell you, it's gonna be a sweet ride come 2019, and I can't wait for MWF to return. It's a pretty good show, so good job to everyone at MWF. Congratulations to Robin Saint for being the first champ, and afterwards I heard he went to Malaysia to join Crystal and Chris Panzer represent the Philippines for a certain event in Malaysia just last December 8th. And I heard Robin Sane is going to be at it again next year. He's going to go to Hong Kong for winter fever. So yeah, if you're in the Hong Kong region, check out Robin Sane and Ken Warren of PWR as they compete and represent the Philippines for Hong Kong Pro Wrestling's winter fever. Or is it Hong Kong Wrestling Federation? Yeah, I, I guess it's HKWF. So yeah, that's it for my review here of MWF 6 Noche Buena. Let's go to the next part of this podcast, which is going to be very long, guys. So please, if you don't want to talk about Saver Woods or not listen to the Saver Woods part, you can cut it off here. But if you want to, and I hope you do, 
please do check out the next part because it's awesome. It's me and Charles, aka Sword9, talking about Xavier Woods' stay here in Manila and what he talked to us during the media interview. And with me here is my constant co-host of Third World Gaming featuring Critical Index. You know him as Sword9. You know him as Charles. But yeah, we got Charles here, man. And we're going to talk about Xavier Woods. It was an experience unlike any other. It was great. The power of positivity was with us that Friday afternoon when we got to talk to one-third of the New Day, the longest tag team champions uh, of the world. <laughs> the road dog, Jesse James. The be- no, 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 no. Wrong tag team. Wrong tag team. I was sick that weekend. I was sick, but I insisted to go anyway. I had briefly contemplated, like I had woken up uh, early and I was like, oh man, I'm not feeling so good. My throat's still killing me. Like my head's a little bit woozy, but, and then I'm reminded it's Xavier Woods. I gotta go. I gotta go. So I got dressed, went straight there. I was a bit late. I missed like the first like five, 10 minutes, I think of the interview because I had gotten off at the wrong stop. So I walked inside the uh, the hotel for a bit, and eventually I found the room. So I think I'd probably leave it up to you first on what exactly was going on during the first few minutes of that interview. Okay. Well, the first few minutes started off with Saber Woods grabbing, I think, the Octivana. I'm not sure it's the mini... It's not a ukulele. It's a local guitar. It's a, string, it's a stringed instrument. I don't know. He serenaded us, man. He serenaded the media to start off the interview. That was so epic. And compared to Big Show, compared to the other celebrities I have encountered in a media roundtable, he is one of the most accessible, most engaging. He was part of us. Uh, we talked about how his itinerary was that day. He told us he went to Manila, got a photo shoot, had royal true orange in a plastic bag, and had his little red bird with him, I think. And then he had a couple of media interviews uh, on Phone Patch, which was with Mr. C or Stan's uh, radio station, I think. And then he went on to that hotel where we met him. Mm-hmm. He talked with the media again before he played hoops with the Special uh, Olympics kids ah, yes, yes, yes. Uh, a few floors up before he went to us. And then, yeah, there was a video game part there where a street fighter, he wanted E-Honda there. And most of the interview was, it was more of up, up, down, down, and content creation, video games, his fandom, how video games and pro wrestling made a crossover thanks to up, up, down, down, and other people in WWE, and how it was awesome for those two worlds to collide. And that's why right now, we have two shows colliding here in Jobber Talk. It's Third World Gaming, inside Jobber Talk. Right, Charles? (laughs) Yep. Just remember, don't cross everything over, like swords or lasers. Now, the thing, though, I I agree with the point that you made earlier that Xavier Woods is very accessible and very engaging, very... It felt less like he was a celebrity being interviewed and more like just some really cool dude sitting in a room and then just talking with us. And, you know, everybody's just listening to the most interesting person in the room, which by far was Xavier Woods. So that was a very, um, very enlightening experience, something very fun. And he, his, he was very interesting, not just, you know, uh, to, to watch as a performer, but even just listening to the stories he has, uh, recounting to his early days in 
wrestling to uh, the stories that he's had about what his initial aspirations were like and what his first impressions were of uh, being, the, uh, you know, the, the difference between what he thought rest, a wrestler would be like and eventually what was the things he, were, you know, he was doing yeah. afterwards. I think he mentioned it with um, about the, the Special Olympics yeah. that he would he would always have a lot more of a entertaining time, much a much better time, telling all these kids that yeah you can do it, you can go out there, and I have more fun with you know, doing this stuff with you kids than to perform you know in the ring, because it, the, he he did mention that it's a very different kind of experience. It's a very it makes you happy like in a very genuine way. Because being able to put, you know, to put smiles on people's faces up close, like that personal, like with these kids, I can imagine that's really something that completely different. So I, I get where he's coming from with that. And in the same thing, like he, like you mentioned, that these kids to be talked to by these people that they consider their idols, it means the world to them. So to be able to deliver that kind of happiness is just, you know, like he he said it was, there was nothing else like it. There was no words for it. And I think that kind of says, that speaks volumes about the kind of person that he is beyond the wrestler, beyond the gamer, beyond the performer. Yeah, because he wants to impart his experience before as a fan when a certain WCW wrestler talked to him. It might have been something routinary or something small talk for that wrestler, but it gave a huge impact on him. And that's what he wants to impart on his end now as part of the WWE or even just being a wrestler and an entertainer and a host of Up Up Down Down. And speaking of video games and wrestling, he did have a special story about Phil M. wrestler TJP. Now, he did <laughs> admit that they have minimal to almost zero interactions much, especially what, Savers now, SmackDown, TJP's 205 Live, and 205 Live's with what brand? I think Raw? Mm-hmm. We might be wrong, guys. You can hit us on the comments below if we're wrong. And it- Please do it. Please do it. This is all of... Do it for Martin. Correct him on the internet like you normally would. Yes. Yes. But yes. It talks about TJP's entrance theme and how he heard it while he was in the ring and how he was reacting to it. Charles... Did you remember that story? <laughs> With every little detail ingrained in my brain, it was very memorable for him. Apparently, he had, when he had first heard that track, he was like, Whose entrance is this? And he explained to us that he was just utterly envious of TJP's track because he, he was so, he was so happy for him that he could have this kind of, you know, entrance music. But he was so mad that it wasn't him. <laughs> you know? He was so happy that someone could finally have this kind of music as an entrance music, right? Entrance theme. But he's just mad that it wasn't him. But yeah, uh, that's, that's uh, a really, really fun thing. One of the few, one of the, uh, not, not few, but one of the many stories that he shared that just really kept all of the uh, media people engaged and really like listening in. And I think one of the other favorite stories that I that he mentioned as well was how they design their a lot of their things as a counterintuitive to what normal wrestling merchandise is normally like especially with uh, like a lot of wrestling shirts are just like black shirts with some stuff on it like 
and I know I've, I have a lot of wrestling shirts that are just usually black with something on it. And for them, they decided to break the norm by having all these very colorful, very brightly colored shirts. And you wouldn't, when you look at it, he mentioned, you wouldn't think that they were wrestling shirts. But that was the thing. That was their entire point. They wanted to make a shirt that could be worn by non-wrestling fans because it's that accessible, because it's that fun. That's how he mentioned that was how you bring new fans into the fold because wrestling fans will buy wrestling shirts. But if you want to sell more than that, you got to reach out to the non-wrestling fans and make them into fans. So I think he mentioned the story that he they had the experiment, they had the shirt, and he saw this dude wearing one of their shirts. And he asked him, and he, and he told him, like, nice shirt. And he was like, yeah, thanks. And he's like, do you watch wrestling? No. Uh, why are you wearing that shirt? It's like, it's three black guys and a unicorn. It's hilarious. And then he immediately called Kofi. He's like, it's working. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. It's working because they reach out to non-fans and yeah. they said, if you catch their attention on TV, we're wearing these unicorn horns. We throw pancakes. And, and he explained that. Yeah, the pancake the story. The pancake story. And we'll get to that in a few seconds. Pancakes. Fans will be like, what's this? Is this wrestling? I don't know what's going on, but fine. Let's, I'll watch it now. And if I, and if they like the wrestling, they'll stick to, to the program. You got new fans. And and I think this goes with how Saver Woods and I think his group, the New Day, think. I think he said this near the end of the interview. Like, interestingly enough, he says, the least important part about pro wrestling is wrestling. The most important part for him would be how you can capture the hearts or how you can capture the emotional aspect of the person watching wrestling with what you're doing in the ring or during your backstage skits. It's mostly the story. And it's a good take because, heck, even in the local scene, you wouldn't think that an inanimate object would be so over, it'll have a like page. And that's the equivalent of what he's talking about right now. If they have unicorns, if they have pancakes, we got steel steps. Yeah, he, he made a really, at least I agree with the point that he made, that what's more important about uh, wrestling in, this, in that sense is being able to create that emotional connection. How to get people emotionally invested in you as a character. And that was one, one line that really stuck to me because when I look back on my own personal fandom, like what is it that I loved about the specific wrestlers that I'm, that I'm a fan of? I look at Chris Jericho. I, I look at The Rock. I look at... John Morrison. I look at, you know, all these other characters and I think, why do I like these people? Why, what, what is it about them that draws me in? And like, for example, let's say Chris Jericho, easily one of the most over, uh, people in all of wrestling fandom, whether you're in, whether you're WWE days, WCW, or even recently New Japan. Like, he is just a character that when you see him, he commands your presence. He demands that you pay attention to him. And when you do, he delivers. He makes it worth your while that you turned for that split second to look at him. And he makes sure that you have the best time that you can have watching him. And that was when I realized that, yeah, you know what? This dude is really cool. I want to keep 
watching more of this. And actually, one story about, um, like, one quick story, I guess, from, from me is how, like, I wasn't, I'm relatively new to NJPW, right? And the reason I, I got really interested in it was because I had one friend, Lance. Oh, uh, he, he basically had me watch, uh, cause I think he was busy at the time, right? And it was the time of, I forgot which, uh, event it was, but he, but he decided to let me borrow his account to watch one match, Okada Omega 2. And this is my first New Japan match, you know, that I was going to watch in full. And he said, watch it, watch it, watch it. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'll give it a try. So I sat down there and I start watching and I'm like, oh, wow. Like there, there were, you know, there was little to no dialogue. It's not like WWE where there's, con- where there's constant dialogue, constant talking. This one was done a lot. Like there was some, there were, sure, there were like, um, announcers and stuff and they were, there was some commentary, but I didn't understand a lot of it. Because subs, so it's all Japanese. Like I don't, I don't speak or understand Japanese. You know, so I was at all. I had to go on was Omega's English. What what little he had, uh, you know, what little lines he had in it. But the wrestling itself captured me. So it's not again. It's not always just necessarily the conversation or the lines that you that you listen to. It's the way that they move, the way that they uh, communicate the story through their motions, through their actions, the way that Okada was selling that arm pain and how you think he's almost getting close to being uh, hit with the one-winged angel, which is just so contrived in its execution. And then you can see Omega just keeps on trying and trying and trying, but he can't. He can't deliver on it, and it's very frustrating, and it leaves you as a viewer equally frustrated that he can't land it he can't land it and then when you keep seeing okada just using that rainmaker it's like oh is he gonna get him this time oh no he's not so much tension like i haven't gotten like like the closest i got locally to this kind of tension was the recent was the pwr match between quattro and ralph and those near those uh false finishes towards the end like that was also like really, really tense. So watching that as well, it's like the same kind of emotions where you, you're watching these two struggle and you have just even the slightest bit of context behind that struggle. All you need is to know that, okay, this guy's champion. This guy wants to be champion. That's really all the context you need for a match, like the bare bone necessity. And then you see these two work, you know, work the whole match out. And you watch them through their actions tell that story that, yeah, this guy really wants to become champion. This guy is not willing to let it go. This guy is a bit of an arrogant bitch because he's, you know, he's he's letting the guy stand up. But it's either he's being an arrogant bitch or he's just kind of semi-honorable that way. But again, you're seeing and then you see through their faces, the facial expressions of like Omega trying to really get that move over. It almost seems as if he wants to get that move done more than he wants to win that match. Or he'd rather lose that match than to not, you know, execute one winged angel and win the match. It's like it's almost like there's a certain pride that he has to finish it because it is a finisher. That's like the entire point of it. So, I mean, without words, you make that kind of, it's almost like a head cannon, if you will, where you have like a certain storyline in your head, but 
it doesn't necessarily have to be wrong or quote unquote canon because it's it's not spoken. You can see it. It's almost like you can just feel what's going on on a fundamental level without having to hear it yourself. It's I guess it's a, it's more of a instinctive story. Like you just know because in if you were put in those shoes, that's how you would be like. That's how you would, would really want to be. And I like the fact that you used the Kenny Omega example because he and Xavier Woods have a video game rivalry. <laughs> and we were asking about that if a certain Kenny would have a match with Xavier in the near future. Obviously, it's going to be video game wise. <laughs> and he, of course, he says, depends on his bosses. If, they're, if they were okay with having the New Day and the... The Young Bucks and Kenny Omega fight in Street Fighter V. Maybe we'll have a rematch 2019, right? That would definitely be something to watch. Oh, also, by the way, I'm not sure if it was brought up, but the the Gamers' Choice Awards was oh. having a vote for favorite celebrity gamer. And both of them are nominated. And now WWE wrestler also... Ronda Rousey is also part of that list. On the female side, yes, on the females. Yeah, so I was like, see, WWE is trying to cross-brand itself now to video games. And it's not, like, by purpose. Because before, like, Up, Up, Down, Down was done independently. Just like the Z true Long Island stories. But when it hit, WWE was like, yep, train's not off the tracks yet. Let's grab it. Let's make it bigger. Let's milk it. And milk it they did, like recently, was the LOL tournament, Team NXT versus Team WWE. And before that, the, the annual Madden challenges, the tournament. Well, we don't have real American American now to be the top finals guy anymore because he's gone. But that was always awesome to see either him versus The Miz or him versus Seth Rollins. And this is coming from a guy who doesn't even play Madden. <laughs> Okay, so I kind of forgot to get back on this one when we were recording, so I'll make it short. So basically, the pancake started during a house show where it was the New Day versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn back in Europe. It was a lumberjack match, and Xavier Woods was the head lumberjack because he was part of the lumberjacks. Since the agents didn't allow Xavier to have a beard and an axe, they were thinking of ways to incorporate something that a lumberjack would have. And Kofi Kingston said, don't lumberjacks eat flapjacks, a.k.a. pancakes? So the trio went on to catering and requested a plate full of pancakes. And that's where it happened. You can check out my article at wheninmanila.com, which is down here on the links below. Click it and check out what Elsie talked about how the pancakes came about. Because from then on, the pancakes started like a week after this European event. They got the A-OK -okay by Vince McMahon himself. And now, back to our Jobber Talk episode. So, yeah. I think another um, very interesting point for me from that interview was how he talked about some of his um, aspirations in the future for how he wants his legacy to be. Because he was asked, one of the questions was, what kind of legacy did he want to leave behind? And his answer was actually very profound in that he wants to be remembered for the effort and, you know, the amount of work, the amount of effort that you put into it. Because it's, uh, like you mentioned, it's like a it's only going to be a dream until you actually go around to make it happen. 
And when people, he was saying that a lot of the times you'll be hearing people making excuses that I don't have time to do this, I don't have time to do that. Uh, if I have a little bit more time, I might be able to do this. But he goes around, but he says that, you know, he does video games, he does wrestling, he makes it work. Uh, so, I mean, and he says it's really about being able to make time and being able to put the work into it so that you can really, you know, do those things that you want to do. And I feel that that was uh, inspirational for a lot of people who feel that they feel too bogged down by the day-to-day, you know, struggles, uh, having to put, you know, food on the table, that sometimes uh, if you're going to be letting yourself, you know, be a slave to what you have to do on a day-to-day basis, it's it's only going to stay that way. You're never going to find time. You have to go and make it. You have to be able to, you know, put some effort into it, uh, put a lot of effort into it, actually, a lot of work, and, you know, get it done. I mean, a lot of us will be in different circumstances. So, of course, how much the supplies will change. But, you know, the, the, the concept is there where if you want to get, if you, if you really, really, really want to do something, you're going to give it all. You're going to give it everything that you've got. And there is no better opportunity to start than now. Yeah, that really hit a chord with me, like especially time management. You have this guy, Saver Woods, who has a very hectic schedule as a WWE performer, but he and a couple of them do up, up, down, down, do overseas tours. Like, just this is just a meet and greet here. And then he went to Malaysia doing the same thing. He And in Malaysia, I think they mistaken him as Kofi Kingston. <laughs> To the unfortunate situation for him, but I think certain wrestlers were laughing at that, like Lance Storm. Yeah, we see your tweets, Lance. Not you, Lance. Not our friend Lance, as in the Canadian wrestler Lance Storm. <laughs> we got too many Lance in one show. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that's something that definitely I think would be uh, very memorable. And of course, there's, there was also that rather controversial semi-controversial statement regarding uh, fans. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, (laughs) yeah, I think it's better if you take the lead on this one. Yeah, it's ironic because no one asked that. The the question that was asked was a question that was asked a few moments ago. How up, up, down, down clearly paved the way of clearing off kayfabe. And this is where, okay, I'll go off track here first because this is what Saver answered it. He felt that kayfabe, the act of making Starline things real in real life, has been dead since 2002. Ironically, 2002 was the year where the draft happened, the brand split happened, where it was the ruthless aggression era. Where yeah, it's dead because there's no more competition. WCW's down. TNA was just starting up as NWA TNA, and... He says, I think from how he says it, it's a good thing because had it been a reality, had it been so kayfabe, and yes, guys, if you hate me saying kayfabe, you can mute it now, you can stop now, okay? Not my problem. Without kayfabe now, it gives him and other wrestlers an avenue to get their careers outside of wrestling. Because before, the only reasons why you're going to Hollywood, where you're going to movies, it's because you're as famous as Hulk Hogan. You're as famous as The Rock. That's why. But like those guys who are in the middle, in the bottom, you'll only know them as wrestlers. You'll only see Funaki as that guy in Kai and Tai until he becomes the number one SmackDown announcer. 
What if you see Abdullah the Butcher outside the ring? Back then, you, you wouldn't be saying, I'm not going to eat your restaurant's meat. That's, that's people, man. You won't see that now. Because guys like Xavier Woods, they're not, they're not the man, top guy. But thanks to Up Up Down Down, thanks to their other ventures, some fans see them outside of that. Because in the kayfabe world, they'll see him as a guy in the clouds playing with unicorns and throwing pancakes. And that's something that might be a hurdle to them now. Because they have to keep their in-ring personas in real life. And he's glad that it's not as practiced now. Because, yeah, like he said, his future post-WWE, he's not even thinking about making a wrestling school. He says maybe it has to do something about video games, right? It's video game arcade. Something that's non-wrestling. Something that we'll see John, the John Cena's of the world right now. The Dave Bautista's who'll be here this January in a Manila trade international automotive show. And that's not wrestling. And he became Drax. And you know, that one. But now, fine. Let's get back on track. That, that issue about the fans. Because he sees internet uh, commentators, internet fans, even people like Dave Meltzer's, and we'll go back to the Lance Storm analogy here, criticizing wrestling as, there's so much super kicks now. Before it was special. Let super kicks be special like what Sean Michaels did before. He counsels that, yeah, well, suplexes finish off people back then. He didn't even go in between and say, well, DDTs do that back then with Jake yeah. the Snake Roberts. But now we do DDTs. We have normal DDTs. We got tornado DDTs. We got inverted DDTs. And they don't finish off people. Mm-hmm. Unless you're, what, freaking Sting or ja- Jake Roberts. Uh, he often calls this, and I agree with Saver, the business evolves. Pro wrestling, just like any industry, will evolve. So those special moves you once saw as finishing moves will now be used as a spam move. Like, it's a Tekken spam move. Mm-hmm. You know, get over it, guys. Because as wrestling evolves, there will be certain moves that will be deadlier. There, just like fighting games, there will be bosses that will be deadlier than Goro. That will be Kintaro. In the next Mortal Kombat, it will be Shintaro. Before you get to Shao Kahn. And now, let's go to those entitled fans who don't enjoy <clears throat> the wrestling because they say... Oh, NXT with rules. Oh, I bet Survivor Series is going to suck. And my God, it did. It, we, we, we're in the same Facebook group, right, yeah. man? And we see those comments too. We also bitch about how NXT is better than the main show. And we have our points too. Yeah. But from a performer standpoint, from Saver Woods, I think our friends can relate to this more because they're in the local scene. They see them as entitled infants because we're, we're, we're busting our balls here. We're sacrificing our bodies. And... And you're saying our, our stuff sucks? That's where I see why he's annoyed. But at the same time, guys, remember, he also did say a few moments later, no, this is weird that I came on my high horse, but yeah, that's how I feel. He was honest about it. Mm-hmm. He was very, very self-aware of what he was saying. Hence why, as much as the fans would like to give him shit about it, mm-hmm. he was self-aware and say, you know, this, I'm annoyed at certain fans saying this, but it's not saying I hate my fans. I love my fans. Because moments before, he was yeah. talking about... What was he talking about? Talking to fans. Yeah. I think uh, one thing that might have... Well, at least one thing about today's kind of internet environment is the 
people, a lot of people, aren't aware or they're not very well skilled in making criticisms. And I say criticisms, not rants, because a lot of people tend to mix the two, right? But you can have criticisms that don't come off as, you know, angry rants that, oh, this show sucked. I don't like what can. I don't like the results of this one. Oh, no, totally. They're totally doing, what do you call that? Handling Becky Lynch wrong, blah, blah, blah. Things like that. I mean, you can have a fair and level-headed criticism without coming off as an infantile, you know, whiner. So I think that's where a lot of people just aren't, uh, it's not very clear. How do you, how do you exactly deliver proper criticism without, you know, being a whiner? And maybe that is probably something that helps contribute to the kind of toxic uh, environment that really comes up as all over the internet. I mean, especially in the most the past couple of years, I feel like it's only gotten more and more, you know, insufferable where you have all these people recklessly voicing whatever comes at the top of their head without really thinking it over. Like, is this really a fair statement? Is this something that needs to be said? Or they just go, wah, 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 wah. You know, it's, I think that there needs to be like a certain level of restraint. And I know there's going to be a lot of people that will probably be saying something like, oh, I'm just telling the truth. I'm just preaching it as it is. Yeah, Sherry, go ahead. You go ahead and do that. But, you know, I think preaching it as it is is overrated. The problem is you say it's the truth. But what truth is it? Is this yours? Mm -hmm. Is it the objective truth or is it the subjective truth? Because the criticisms, trust me, it's subjective. If you can be objective, fine. But there's a fine line between that. And not most of us can hit the objective part. Mm -hmm. Here in Jabber Talk, I'm telling you what my views are, are subjective to what I like and to what my guests like. And that's why I understand why Saver Woods is annoyed at certain fans. Because they have, they already have enough wrestling to go around and they still complain. It's like those internet smarks before. I'm one of them. We're all one of them. At some point, yeah. At some point. We can't just own that, dissociate it with any of us now. Because at one point we were. That's why we're in this right now. Okay, back to that. As a smart, you, right now, this 2018, 2019, you have a lot to go to. WWE Network, NJPW, Lucha Underground. Uh, I think he said the AAA Network for Mexico? Um, I don't recall. Yeah. It's like, why are you complaining about something when you have other things you can just enjoy instead? Mm. I think that's how I understood his gripes about certain fans. Fine, maybe NXT is better for you. But you don't have to shit on the other show. Like saying, I like Pepsi, Coke, Coke in the because Pepsi rules, okay? Yeah. You don't have to be that mean. You don't have to be that, that of a dick. <laughs> yeah, and I think there's also the other valid point where he brings in that he brought up that some, uh, some fans uh, talk as if they came, as if they come from a uh, like an expert opinion on the subject matter. I think he like briefly mentioned that as well about like how yes, 
Hmm? Oh, yeah. Not not the star ratings per se, but more like like a lot like some of their opinions, some of the stuff that comes out, as if they were like industry experts with years of knowing what the business is like, without actually being, you know, in that business. I mean, unless you were like I don't know, let's say you, if you were a hunter, I mean, you have that experience, and maybe he would be in a better position to give a, a quote unquote expert opinion in the sense. But at the same time, I mean, you don't have to be like in it to have an opinion on it. As long as you can, as long as you're able to. Uh, recognize that your opinion is from that of an observer, right? And I think that's a, a distinction that has to be made because, like, for example, you don't have to be, like, a good singer to know what good music is like. Yeah. But at the same time, you can't exactly give coaching instructions to a singer without, you know, having that background, Right. You can share. You can. You can. You can share your opinion. That you know. I'm not quite sure if I like the sound as a as a listener because you have ears. Do you know? You know what 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 isn't very pleasing as sound. But again, again, to give coaching instructions though to a singer because of that opinion, that's where things get a little bit blurry. Right. See, I, I don't remember if he mentioned that. Because I was going to the Landstorm Dave Melcher side now, because this was discussed in the in our groups, and I listened to that link. And yeah, how do you base off the star ratings recently from the matches that you were basing off star ratings? This is asking Dave Melcher right now. In the past, because he's giving six or seven stars on an Okada Omega match or a Omega Jericho match now, but before, even during the Hogan eras, he has not. Um, as a fan, I, I too never gave a star rating on a match. It's just like, I like this. This is cool. I enjoy this. Oh, look, there's enough wrestling, but I find it boring. But I'll not talk about how boring it is. Hey, look, match about steel steps. That's awesome. <laughs> like, even before, like a few years back, mm-hmm. I was more entertained with a Santino Marella match, which <laughs> involved mostly comedy spots, than the main event that had technical mastery. I don't know who was main eventing that time. All I can remember about was Santino's Cobra getting hypnotized by Jinder Mahal's flute and great Kali going on the other end using his own flute to get Santino's snake in gear. What were the other matches? I wouldn't know unless I Google search it right now. All I can remember is Santino freaking Marella's Cobra 3MB, Great Kali. And it goes back to Saver Woods' statement of the most important part about wrestling is giving your fans the emotional attachment they want. And I guess, yeah, it's yeah controversial because right now people are commenting, hey, look about this airline meme about we shouldn't complain about airline shitty services, especially if you're a wrestler. <laughs> I think that's a strike against him and other wrestlers who's been tweeting against airlines or like certain singers who also tweet against crappy airline services like it's, it's ironic how they criticize their products criticism by their fans or consumers now let's go okay we have enough time you can block out now because this is going to be a longer discussion let's talk about this from a consumer standpoint mm-hmm. pro wrestling as a service yes it sucks that I'm looking at it this way but it's like music service to your fans it's a consumable service 
for the eyes, for the ears, and for your emotions. Especially if you're just watching it on TV or even live. It's a consumption. You will always and forever have criticism, feedback, and consumer response to whatever you're putting out there. That's true. He's not discounting that. He's just talking about the entitled infants who are complaining about something where they have other options anyway. Where they can just leave it alone. You don't like it? Go. There's NJPW. There's NXT. Stick to that. There's Lucha Underground. There's 205 Live. But at the end of the day, yeah, it, it was refreshing to hear someone talk about that. Mm-hmm. Especially from this someone is, on the inside. I, I didn't feel bad when he said it. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, nothing new. But hey, this is a refreshing view on my end. On yours too. Yeah, and I think regarding what you mentioned earlier about the star rating, the difficulties about having any kind of quantitative rating is you must have something that can be objectively measured. And yeah, I mean, it has to be, it has to be measured objectively. Like, for example, if you're going to rate, like, uh, if you're going to rate the purity of uh, silver or some kind of metal, you can, you can measure that. You can measure it and you can get consistent results if a particular object is 80% pure, pure or whatever, right? Other, you know, but in terms of like the consumable media, TV shows, wrestling shows, anything that you can consume like that has like certain personal preferences, music, before you start giving like quantitative uh, statistics on it, you have to ask, can it even be measured to begin with? Like, what are the basis? What's the basis? What are the parameters for you to give a star rating to one match and to another? Like, oh, this gets three stars because it hit the number of suplex quota, for example. Or like, I remember back in the day, during my early days of watching PWR, I would count the number of drop kicks per match, uh, per, per show. And then I brought a sign once, Drop Kick City. Because there was this one show that had an insane number of drop kicks. So before the sling blade, there was drop kicks. <laughs> wow, All right. Okay. Holy shit. Yeah, wow. I, I did that once. I brought a sign, drop kick city, and then every time a drop kick, one, and then second drop kick of the show, two. So again, those are like, like is it is it something that you can measure really? Like that's the the main focus before you can give something like some kind of rating. There has to be a measurable. Uh, an objective and consistent measurement of things like games for example like games so let's say you 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 give a, a rating of a game let's say out of a, out of 5 right then you give for example music the quality of the music can be measured like is it repetitive is it boring like is it like the same note over and over and over those are something that you can give that have a little bit of subjectivity to it but there are but if you give like certain qualifications to music, for example, let's say, oh, the tracks are not, you know, they don't irritate you. They're mm. not, you know, they're not um, annoying or they don't hurt the ears. Fine. Give it like a, give it a solid three, give it a solid four. And then graphics. Okay, cool. So what is the standard of graphics for this one compared to other games? How does it stack? You have means of measuring again. Or let's say, for example, gameplay. Does it impede, are the con- or controls? Game. Controls are part of gameplay. Are the controls responsive? Are the controls something that are consistent? When I press up, does the guy move properly? 
or does it take like a second delay before he jumps up? Then, then you can dock points from controls because again, that's a repeatable, measurable statistic from something that you're trying to judge, right? So when you do that for wrestling, how does that apply? How can you how can you measure an emotional response? You can hear maybe from the crowd, sure, like a crowd response. But if you're not there. But if you're not there, if you're not watching it live, how do you, you know, measure that? How do you judge it? Because right now it's hard with technology. Anyone can mask the crowd response now. If it's in different, it's silent. They might pipe in, pipe in crowd noises there. <laughs> and like, holy smokes, they're on fire. I know it, I guess certain forms of entertainment like wrestling and TV shows have a metric. But it's really up to the authors, mm-hmm. and it may be more subjective to them or to their demographs, their fans. Mm-hmm. So fine, I can figure out why Meltzer has five stars or six stars. But to me, it's hard for me to gauge it in out of five or out of ten. I guess it's another topic for discussion in future Jobber Talk episodes. Yeah. But thank you for touching on that because, at the end of the day. We're sorry if you're listening right now and we've long drawn it out, mm-hmm. this uh, quote-unquote controversial quote by Xavier Woods. And trust me, this is even a tame response. Very tame. Because he's, he was just annoyed. <laughs> I think his real message is just enjoy wrestling. Yeah. Don't ruin it for yourself that you're complaining about things that you can fix on your own. Because these are things that us as fans can remedy on our own like I like NXT I don't like main roster this is gonna suck fine I'll focus on NXT but but I guess on the fans perspective it's like the main roster is like your favorite team it's like your Chicago Bulls right now they suck I'm a fan but I don't like the fact that certain players not getting player time or a certain coach got fired actually I like I'm okay with a certain coach getting fired by Hoiberg but yeah things like that that's right. From the fans' perspective, I get why, aside from us wanting to enjoy it, yeah, I, I want to enjoy, man. I want to enjoy. I don't want to complain. However, I'm rooting for you. I want you to be better in my standards, even though it's subjectively better on me and it's objectively wrong on your end. It's what I want. I guess that's the frustration of the other side. But it can get grating when you see them whine online. And that's where I agree with you. There has to be certain form of feedback that doesn't make you sound off like a douche. Mm-hmm. And if I have sounded off like a douchebag in this episode, I'm sorry. I'm just getting all emotional up in here and stuff. But at the end of the day, that was an awesome experience, man. Shaver Woods. And did you get to have him sign something? Yeah, definitely had something signed. Wonderful photograph. Good stuff. And I think more importantly, it the experience really like hammers in that these performers, they're people. They are they're not that different from you and me. They play games, they have a day job. Their day job just happens to be hurting each other and hopefully not injuring themselves in the process because what they do is in fact dangerous work that can go wrong and we have seen it go wrong. Unfortunately, so, you know, for them, they do put a lot at stake. So it isn't very uh, unreasonable to have, you know, Xavier Woods 
have that kind of reaction to people who he feels might not be helping the product. Because eventually, I think all of us really want wrestling to get better. I think no doubt, like even if you're like even if even toxic fans, I imagine just want better wrestling. But I think it's the approach to how we want to achieve that is where a lot of us kind of aren't really on the same page. Like some feel that by you know continuously uh, deriding the project uh, or the the product rather. They're gonna hopefully make it better. I don't necessarily agree, but you know, ultimately we have different ideas on how we think we can better improve this thing that we all love, which is yeah. pro, wrestling. pro wrestling. And maybe someday we can all be on the same page about it. But I think that'd be a pretty boring yeah. place. Yeah, yeah. But you know, ultimately it is kind of like the diversity that we have that is also something that really helps make this product even better. If only we can kind of, you know, maybe rein it in a little bit just so we can all have, like, a voice that, you know, will help showcase our opinions on it, but at the same time also give other people the same kind of opportunity, the same, you know, chance to also voice their thoughts on what they feel would be a great product for them to enjoy and again like you mentioned there are different promotions out there that offer a different flavor or a different take on pro wrestling lucha underground like you mentioned there's wwe there's raw smackdown nxt 205 live locally we have pwr mwf so you know you have a lot of different kinds there's so much wrestling how can we again i think xavier woods mentioned it there is so much wrestling how can we still complain but i get why yeah i mean i get why we can complain because that's our team damn it yeah but yeah we do have a lot of different options and but the thing not all of these products will be for us yes that's why we have so much wrestling because a lot of us enjoy different kinds of wrestling. Some of us prefer the more old school, uh, tactical, very slow, method, not really slow, but more methodical, a lot more on the, you know, the, the in-ring psychology. Others prefer the, what they call the flippy shit in modern parlance. You know, I like myself some flippy shit from time to time too. You know? But, uh, and different folks, different strokes. So again, don't don't knock off if somebody likes some flippy shit, or don't scoff at someone if they like their wrestling a little bit more old school than you're used to. So you know, just gotta respect each other's preferences. You know, no kink shaming, guys. No kink shaming. It's 2018. Hey, hey, it's not because it's 2018. It's and by that we're not like encouraging relativism here. We're just saying let people enjoy things. Though if it's against the law, you can always call the FBI or PNP. You know the numbers. <laughs> but yeah, it's enjoyment. And thank you, Savior Woods, for dropping by and for letting us wrestling fans remember as to why we love wrestling so much. And how even through wrestling, we can cross over to different fandoms. And this is what I enjoy during that meet and greet. Because who were... Who were we with? It's not just the wrestling crowd. It's also the video game crowd. It's also local media. Something I don't see in a local wrestling show or in a local video game show sometimes. 
But this one, both worlds were there. And this is, I think, how Saber was saying the illusion of pro wrestling is. It's going mains, it's going cross streams. More so than the rock and wrestling was with just MTV. More so than the Attitude Era was with reality TV, MTV, and other ones. This is the next level of the evolution of pro wrestling. And we are so fortunate right now to be on it. And I think I'm done on my high horse. Thank you so much for listening. Charles, you can... Let's wrap this up. Where can they find you, man? Giddy up. I'm going to stay on my high horse a little bit longer. But yeah, if you're interested in checking out the stuff that I do, uh, I'll be writing up on criticalindex.net on the Xavier Woods interview uh, at criticalindex.net. And you can also check out Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube for Sword9. And back to you, Martin, as we close this wonderful, wonderful afternoon. Okay, I'm going to get off my horse now. <laughs> Yeehaw! All right. So, yeah, you can check us out, criticalindex.net. You can check me out here, channel14.com's Jobber Talk. We have a like page now. That's facebook.com slash Jobber Talk. You can help this site unsuck by being a monthly patron. That's patreon.com slash channel14. Thank you once more for helping us renew our domain for 2019 and 2020. And you can also help us by checking out our other shows like Third World Gaming. You'll see a new episode featuring myself and Charles, or if you heard that first, you can re-listen to it, because it's the 20th anniversary of Suikoden 2. That's our special episode this week. We also have Third World, Linux, and Bodega Nights, and Radio Norm. And that's it, guys. Thank you. This is a long episode. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you, Charles, for helping me today record two episodes. This is like a double tape. (laughs) And yeah, we'll see you next episode. Hopefully next year, we got some special wink, wink crossover episodes again here at Jobber Talk. See ya. (laughs) 